South America is on the brink as two potential civil war situations spiral out in Peru and Brazil. You're going to want to strap in because there's a lot going on and we're going to break it down as well as the latest with Mr. SBF. But first, I have to remind you that America Fest does commence this weekend. I have just flown to Phoenix, Arizona. We are here in Phoenix. Got the whole family, got the kids, got the whole kit and caboodle, got Tanya Tay. We cannot wait for America Fest. And more importantly, we can't wait for you to come and join us. There are some seats that have just been made available. Go to amfest.com, promo code POSO. Make sure that you come. Your presence is requested at this working meeting. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is December 14th, 2022, Anno Domine. Ladies and gentlemen, South America is on the brink. What you just saw are videos of uprisings by communists and left-wing forces, socialists across Peru to try to defend their ousted pro-leftist president who's just been taken out, Pedro Castillo. Now, Pedro Castillo was impeached. He was convicted, was removed from office, and a new president has been sworn in. But you're seeing this now, the instability starting in Brazil with the election of Bolsonaro. Now you're seeing this in Peru, the instability here. This is spilling out across all of South America. President Biden, by the way, completely nowhere to be found on this. This isn't Ukraine, President Biden. This is our own backyard. This is where we live. This is our hemisphere. These are countries that are far, far closer to us than they are, uh, you know, these, these countries that are thousands of miles away, where you're sending tens of billions of dollars. But you see what's going on here. The communists in South America had a foothold in Peru. They thought they did at least for one year. But now the Congress has come in, impeached this guy for corruption. And the people in the streets are fighting back while the government, law enforcement, and the military are holding firm. In Brazil, you've got the opposite. Because Lula, and if you remember our long-form interview that we conducted with Matt Tierman just a few weeks ago, Lula himself is deeply in bed with the CCP. He's also talked about reopening and normalizing relations between Brazil and Venezuela. Because this is exactly what we told you they're trying to do. They want to build the South American arm of China's One Belt, One Road. This is Xi Jinping's initiative. He's pushing this out, not just across Central Asia, across Xinjiang, the Uyghur people, 
down through Pakistan, down to Afghanistan, to the Persian Gulf. No, 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 no. It's in Africa and it's in South America too. And that's what we're witnessing here. We're witnessing communists lashing out in Peru. And go back, if you will, to the days of the Spanish Civil War. Because that's the same type of conflict that you might see here if communists do truly come to power in one of these countries. And the scenes that I'm looking at of Peru, it remind me of reading about that Spanish Civil War. When communists and anarchists and socialists from around the world traveled to Spain, traveled to Spain, where they were working to help the communist regime take over the entire country. What were they doing in terms of this? Well, the first group of people they targeted were the priests. The first places they targeted were the churches. Killing priests, and in some cases, making sure that before they killed the priest, they would rape the nuns inside the church on the altar while the priest watched and then killed him. That's what the communists were doing in Spain during the Spanish Civil War. Now they lost. But you're seeing those same type of forces smashing churches, attacking anything viewed as upholding tradition, upholding history. You're looking at that through the same lens that we may have viewed the Spanish Civil War way back when. But here's the difference. Because today, we can see with our own eyes what's actually happening on the ground through social media. We don't need to go to uh, the New York Times and these completely shaded and biased reports like we had back then. No, no, no. We can see the truth. We can see the violence. We can see the insanity happening. We know communist uprisings, like they're trying to foment in Peru right now when we see them. So one of the reasons that this is going so crazy right now is that last week, the president of Peru, Pedro Castillo, he attempted to dissolve Congress itself and impose what uh, many have started to call a self-coup in Peru. So he knew he was about to be impeached. So he called up the military and gave a massive, massive speech saying, you need to come forward. And this had happened before in Peru, by the way. Come forward, deny Congress from being able to be seated, deny them the ability to impeach me, and I will stay in office and I will establish essentially a dictatorship. Military said, yeah, we're not good with that. Now in Brazil, that's the same thing you're, you're hearing, but from the other angle. Because it's the protesters in Brazil, the pro-Bolsonaro protesters, that are calling on the military to get involved. And here's a key difference, that in the military in Brazil, they do have a specific and legitimate constitutional duty for auditing and verifying elections. What people in Brazil are saying is that that has not been done yet. They're not calling for the military to come in with force. And people need to understand the distinction here. What they're saying is, we want the military to get involved in order to write what they view as a wronged election. But in Peru, it's the exact opposite. Because it's the military, it's law enforcement that are holding the line against communists, like this guy Castillo, who are trying to stay in office. Attempting a self-coup, which also happened all the way back in 1992. Same type of situation. 
only that person was able to stay in office, Fujimori. Look, a lot of people complain about the state of our country or the way woke corporations treat us and their employees, but it's not enough to complain. We need to change the way the marketplace works, and that starts with you and where you spend your money. In less than one year, Public Square has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen. Whether you want to support a restaurant that only buys from local farms, a coffee shop that took a stand against COVID mandates, or a bank that would never cancel you for your political views, Public Square is your guide. There's also interactive, sensor-free community groups where you can connect with other local members. And here's the best part. It's absolutely free. Just go to publicsquare.com, publicsq.com, download the app today, create your account, and begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. We can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard-earned dollars. Begin your search at Public Square today, publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com. These two behemoths that own the unregulated market together and grow these incredible businesses in terms of growth were at war with each other. And one put the other out of business intentionally. Now, maybe there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe there's nothing wrong with love and war. But finance is a massive, unregulated, global monopoly now. They put FTX out of business. I'm so glad to see you. I got it. And unless he's got a neck as long as the Oh my, oh my. So all the stuff, the doings that have been transpiring in crypto world, and people are saying, Posto, what you take on this, what you take on this. It's very interesting to me because on one hand, you've got Sam Bankman Freed down there in the Bahamas, hanging out with the maggots, hanging out with the rats, not far from where I used to hang out with another type of rat in Guantanamo Bay, just across the Caribbean there. And he went down when FTX went down. But then there was another story that I saw earlier today, meme stock influencers charged in $114 million fraud scheme. Federal prosecutors accuse eight men of, quote, pump and dump fraud. Men had hundreds of thousands of Twitter and Discord followers. Uh, and it's this thing called Atlas Trading and a couple of guys with, here's a guy with half a million followers. Here's a guy with 340,000. And it talks about specifically the meme stocks, the meme stocks and the ape army GameStop and AMC. And they're saying because these guys cashed out when that thing hit the peak, when it went moon, they cashed out and left everybody else holding the bag that it was fraud, that it was a pump and dump. And so my take on this that's interesting is, all right, well, if that's the standard, if that's the standard, we're going to go after anyone that promotes a certain stock that then drops, that they personally sold out on, okay, then what about people like Kevin O'Leary we just played there, Katy Perry, Bill Clinton, all of these people, Tony Blair, all of these people that were promoting SBF, all of the people that promoted and publicly endorsed, Kevin O'Leary, by the way, $15 million. 
from FTX. President Biden, his campaign, received donations from FTX. And the bank man freed. So my point in all of this is what's really going on here? Well, let's examine the power dynamics because that's what we do. Human Events Daily, we examine things through the lens of power. And the lens of power on this, it's very simple. You had Main Street and you had a lot of people that came up and during the pandemic, during the lockdowns, when again, the government forced you to stay home, but then the government gave you money to play with. And a lot of people got into the stock market because there wasn't anything else they could do at their time. And these circumstances, let's say, led to the ape army, they led to meme stocks, they led to Dogecoin, they led to so many different things. Uh, I really don't think that you would have had the DeFi explosion like you did, the crypto explosion and the stock explosion simultaneously without those circumstances. And you can see Kevin O'Leary right there being very, very upset. All of this is, is unregulated. All of this, there's, there's, you know, there's the Wild West. Binance is becoming a monopoly. Oh, because you care so much about monopolies, Kevin O'Leary. No, there is a monopoly you care about, though. There is. It's the monopoly that you're trying to protect. And that's the monopoly of Main Street. Because you sit there on Wall Street, or I should say it's, it's a monopoly of Main Street that is coming in now and trying to threaten your monopoly on Wall Street. Because you can't have the Joe Blows and the Bob Blows and the Bill Blows and the JD Blows, the Judy Blows, all the Blows. You can't have them all coming in and playing your game better than you play it. You can't have them come in and realize that this whole thing is smoke and mirrors. And that if somebody goes out there on MSNBC or somebody goes out there on Shark Tank or somebody goes out on any one of these platforms and starts promoting Jim Cramer, right? Though, in his case, it'd be the inverse. And nobody ever charges them. But all of a sudden, a couple of guys do it on Twitter and Discord and they're public enemy number one. Also, you got... Sam Bankman-Fried, who obviously is the fall guy for this entire operation. That was FTX. And we've talked about the money laundering. We've talked about the very sinister ties to where this was going. And I'll give you a prediction right now. No one else who was tied to promoting FTX will go down for this. By the way, the ex-girlfriend... You can tell she flipped, right? She's running around New York. She's meeting with lawyers. You can tell she flipped as fast as possible. I'm sorry, Sam, but it turns out the polycule has turned on you. I, I just, I, I don't know how you didn't see this coming. I personally never would have seen the polycule as possibly turning on me. But right, she, she obviously cut a deal. She realized, look, because that's how it goes, right? The first person to cut a deal gets the best one. She obviously dimed him out. She's probably working with the feds. But the problem for him and the problem for everybody else in looking at this is to say it's about the old guard versus the little guy. You're not allowed in the club. And if you try to come in the club or you try to create your own club, laws will be passed, and Senator Warren's already working on that, to shut you down. Because the club looks out for the club. 
and you are not in it. You know, speaking of which, a report recently came out that American household net income dropped by over $6 trillion just in the second quarter this year. Now, that's the most on record. We already know that the administration is doing everything in their power to keep you in the dark until after midterms, which begs the question, what's going to happen when there's no incentive to hold back? That's why so many of you have taken POSO's advice and protected your financial future with gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely straight to your door. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry, five stars with Trustling, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. Go to protectwithposo.com and get their best offer yet up to $2,500. I always ask you, sure, $2,500, up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them that Poso sent you. We cannot control the Biden administration or when these rate increases go up, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. Protectwithposo.com. That's protectwithposo.com. In the unsolved University of Idaho quadruple murders as a suspicious white vehicle is caught on camera. Last week, Idaho investigators announced they were searching for a white Hyundai Elantra between the years of 2011 and 2013. They say the vehicle was seen near the crime scene the morning of the murders and that the people inside could have critical information about the crime. Now, authorities say they may have video of the vehicle from a nearby gas station. After a Viewing security tapes, a gas station manager noticed a vehicle matching the Hyundai's description. She took a screenshot of the car and emailed it to police. The footage shows the white vehicle speeding by the gas station at about 3.45 in the morning on November 13th. So Idaho is one of those stories that I think it's, it's interesting because it's simmering beneath the surface. And there's some people that and every time I talk about this, you know, there's some people that are super into it and they say, you know, give me all the details, what's going on, what's happening, because it's a total whodunit, right? And then there's other people that are like, Poso, why are you talking about this? There's so many things going on in the world. There's so many things happening. But look, look, hold on a second. All right. Let me, let me address that before we even get into this one, because it's simple. When... We're putting together the show. We try to put together information and stories that are going to provide value to you. Um, many of the times that has to do with geopolitics. That's definitely something that, that I focus on a lot. But at the same time, we also focus on law and order here a ton. Now, people are saying, but okay, fine, there is not a political angle here. Well, I, I, I don't think that that's necessarily something that we have to have anytime we cover a story because there's so many things here that are political. The, the use of police, the use of resources, the fact that apparently the FBI is involved in this case and yet has yet to be able to come up with a single suspect. Like, you can't go to all the people at this point that knew these girls and ask, hey, by the way, who owns the white Hyundai Elantra? Right? They can figure that out at like a minor league baseball game. Sir, your headlights are on but you can't figure that out in a quadruple murder? Seriously? Like that's the level of policing that we have right now from our FBI? Oh, maybe it's because you're too worried about me calling somebody groomer on Twitter. Yeah, that's right, I said it, groomer. g g g g groomer the G word. Too busy going after the memes that showed up on January 6th, parading without a permit. 
in Congress to actually go about, and this, and I keep talking about this, we need to separate actual crimes from these political and counterintelligence investigations that the FBI has bled its mission into. The FBI shouldn't be involved in counterintelligence. It shouldn't be involved in political investigations. It shouldn't be involved in, in some, I would even create a separate uh, counterterrorism unit at this point, right? Um, smash the FBI and come up with something new. You know, we've, we've done this recently. We did it with INS. Um, that was rolled into the Department of Homeland Security. That later became uh, ICE, and then it has you know different um, divisions like like uh, BORTAC and HSI that are under under ICE, and which are which are then still under the DHS. But the point is, is that there are. And by the way, shouldn't counterterrorism be part of DHS too as well? The point being, when you have a case like this, and I remember seeing the article when I pulled it up last night. I said, "What do you mean there's?" a gas station attendant that was looking through footage on their own time while bored on the midnight shift, the old graveyard shift. I remember graveyard shift. They used to work graveyard shift at a, uh, at a bakery, though it wasn't actually dead for us because we would bake in the evenings. And this was Italian bakeries so who we were doing, you know, uh, breads and, and tomato pies and stuff. So we're baking so that it's open and fresh for the next morning. But, you know, those wee hours of the night, you know, a lot of, lot, lot, what can I say? A lot of nights listening to Art Bell back when he used to do Coast to Coast. But point being is, why does it take the gas station attendant down the street to be the one to pull this up? Shouldn't the FBI have been going around to every single one of these uh, businesses or homes, anyone that's got a ring camera, anyone who's got any potential surveillance footage? within, I don't know, a two mile radius of this house. And then going in and looking at that specific evening from 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. and seeing if there's anything they can find. It's like the first step you would take in investigations. And yet that doesn't seem to have occurred. Now I will, I will throw out there the caveat that there could be a case where law enforcement does know something, the FBI does know something, but they're holding it back because they don't want the perpetrator to know that they're that close to catching uh, this, this, this individual. Um, and so maybe, right? Maybe. And I've, and I've heard people throw that out there and I'm not going to discount that because that is possible. I wish and I hope and pray that that's what's going on because instead it looks like the absolute keystone cops over here. Who owns the Hyundai Elantra? You can't figure that out. You really can't figure that. Make a list. Make a list of everyone registered in the state. And then you go to Washington as well. Washington State, because you're right on the border, right? Spokane County's right there. Spokane's right there. Then you go through, go look at the school. Does anyone have a Hyundai Elantra registered for parking on, on school grounds, parking on campus? It, this stuff, it's, it's, it's pretty basic. And I'm hoping that all these steps were taken. Uh, and certainly that, you know, if this is a car that was again, speeding and, you know, it could be nothing, right. It could be, it could be a total wild goose chase, but that's the thing when you don't have any evidence whatsoever, then you've got to go and pull down every lead. And so that's what we do. And we're not going to do the Kim Kardashian thing of when they, because what, what Kim Kardashian does in these cases is she comes in after the fact, after they've proven who committed the crime after they've found out specifically who it is, typically when the forensics are fingering that person 
and declaring that they are the one that definitively did this. Uh, Rodney Reed, Julius Jones, so many other, so many of these cases that Ju- that she comes in and says, no, they were convicted because of racism. No, it's not racism. It wasn't racism that put Nicole Brown Simpson's blood in OJ Simpson's sock drawer. That wasn't racism that did that. That was OJ Simpson that did that. All right. There were three sets of footprints, three. It was OJ Simpson, Ron Goldman, and Nicole Brown Simpson. That's it. We have all the forensics we need. But again, it's because of racism. And who was one of the lawyers from that case that got OJ off? Who was it? Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Kim Kardashian's father. And now she's back playing the same game. And so when I look at these cases, when I look at Idaho, and, and of course my heart goes out to any family involved uh, as a father myself, it's your worst nightmare. Simple as that. But our FBI and our law enforcement, particularly at that level, owe our country better. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.